Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, your Tuesday, the 13th of April edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Bill Meltzer going to join in just a second, but uh, and we'll Chuck Fletcher. Chuck Fletcher, the Flyers president of hockey operations and general manager, going to join Bill Meltzer and I. So we'll get to Bill first, then Chuck. Flyers caps tonight. Flyers caps tonight, who just traded for Michael Roffel, but Michael Roffel won't be in the lineup for Flyers caps tonight. You'll hear why from the general manager coming up in just a couple of minutes. Michael Raffley actually dealing with an injury and will not be available for a couple of weeks to the Washington Capitals. All said and done, though, deadline day is done. The Flyers extend Scott Lawton, five-year contract at $15 million, or $3 million AAV for the next five years for Scott Lawton. Uh, Michael Raffle traded for a fifth-round pick to Washington, and Eric Gustafson traded to Montreal for a seventh-round pick. I thought it was really interesting that Chuck Fletcher said in his press conference uh, with the media that it didn't work for Eric Gustafson, it didn't work for the Flyers. It was uh, one of those deals that it just didn't work out for either side. So the Flyers move him on uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. Best of luck to him, and best of luck to Michael Roffel, who ended up playing over 500 games as a Philadelphia Flyer, an undrafted player. He said that at the time he came in, he just wanted to play one game in the NHL, and he would, he would have been proud of that. But he played over 500 here in Philadelphia. And he's going to go chase the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. And uh, one of the really good guys. Michael Roffel provides so much levity to a room. He, he's he got a dry but really witty sense of humor. And always a blast to be around. So some of the interviews I have with him, you, just, you never know if he was kidding with you, if he was kind of messing with you or what the deal was. But a really good guy, loved by his teammates and... Um, hate to see him leave, but uh, this is the business of the NHL. But let's get right to Bill Meltzer right now. Bill Meltzer from HockeyBuzz.com, NHL.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. To lend his insight on deadline day 2021 is Bill Meltzer. Bill, um, what a day. Um, all said and done around the NHL. I'll give you some stats. 17 trades, 26 players involved. By comparison, last year, 32 trades, 55 players involved. What did you think of the action on deadline day? Uh, you know, I, I think that league-wide, it was uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of guys that are rentals moving to other teams. And you kind of figure there were, you know, th- that you kind of figured going in, there, were, there, weren't, there weren't a lot of big surprises. And, and largely it's, uh, you know, I, I think one of the biggest trends, and also not a surprise, was uh, – you know, in a in a flat cap is how much how many deals involved teams retaining uh, yeah. on, on the players, and I think that was you know that's just a reality of the cap age, and that was uh, pretty much a constant for a lot of these deals. Yeah, you're right. Retention of money and final year of a deal. That's like the combo platter du jour of uh, this NHL trade deadline. We're Jeff Fletcher is going to join us in just a moment, Bill. Uh, but let's talk about what the Flyers did. Your initial thoughts. They signed Scott Lawton to a five-year five extension, $15 million, $3 million AAV. Uh, they uh, part ways with Michael Raffle. They get a fifth-round pick in return, and we'll see Raff uh, coming up tonight when they take on the Washington Capitals. And also Eric Gustafson, who GM Chuck Fletcher and his availability said, uh, the acquisition didn't work for either side. Heads to Montreal for a seventh-round pick. Anything kind of really popped there for you with the moves that uh, Chuck Fletcher made? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, with Scott Lawton, um, you know, and, and it was something that I put out there uh, on Twitter before Chuck spoke. You know, I I, I was fine with extending him. Uh, I think that, um, 
you know, when whenever you trade a player, um, you know, you have to figure, okay, do we have someone in-house to replace them, you know, uh, on a similar basis, which is not the case with Lawton right now. They don't they don't have a, a Lawton kind of player that, that's ready to step right in. Um, you know, I think you have to look at, um, you know, he's not, he's not an older player. He's a veteran, but he's a young veteran. Um, you know, the Flyers have been through the learning curve with him. He's a known quantity. And, um, you know, you need those kind of players to win. I mean, um, you know, if you look at the, the playoffs last year, you know, both both Lawton and Raffle were guys that stepped up, you know. And, and uh, in, in Raffle's case, I think he had four goals in nine games. He was, you know, in, in dealing with injuries last year. And I think a large part of this season, too, um, dealing with injuries. But those are guys who, you know, are, are the kind of warrior type of players, two-way players that you need in a playoff series. Um, you know, in previous deadlines, um, you know, I, I the Flyers would have been able to, you know, had offers to move Michael Raffle, and they've always elected to resign him. But I think that given he's now in his 30s and, um, you know, on an expiring deal, and, and he is a guy who you might have some guys in-house that you might be able to, to plug into his spot, you know, makes a, a, a seven-figure cap hit. So that, that's a player who you figured probably was not going to be back next year. Um, the change, you know, he, he spent eight pretty good years overall in, in the role that he played with the Flyers when he was healthy. But, you know, that, that was a deal I, I think you could see him moving on. Um, you know, for a fifth-round pick, for a player in his role, that's about an average return on, on, you know, a player who plays in your starting 12, you know, at his age. And with uh, and with Eric Gustafson, I mean, honestly, you know, the question mark when he came in was, where's he going to fit if you don't trade Gossip Bear? And um, the answer was not at all. And they were yeah. kind of competing for a spot early on. If you remember, Ghost started the year. Uh, he had COVID at the very beginning of the year. So Gustafson had a chance to, to grab a job and run with it, and he, he didn't. And um, he had other opportunities when, when Ghost wasn't playing at his best or whatever to get back into the lineup. And, you know, he, he couldn't stay in the lineup. So, you know, to get to get something back on the player. And, I mean, listen, I mean, he, he got – you know, it was really, it was really just to, you know, really just to deal with something that what clearly did not work out for the team. A seventh round pick is generally inconsequential. I mean, every once in a blue moon, you'll, you know, <laughs> you'll strike gold that late in the draft, but you don't count on it. If you get a guy who plays in the NHL at all, it, it's a great pick in that spot. It's just, it's just an asset that you can, you know, have and, and, and who knows what you get out of it. But I mean, it was really, it was really just more of okay, you know, just paring down a roster spot, and you know there was fifty percent retention on that too. So, you know, I, I think that's really all there was to that one. Yeah, and, and oddly enough, you know, a guy like as gifted as Eric Gustafson was offensively, and he was a skilled offensive player, he was every bit as deficient defensively. I mean, I mean, just think about this real quick though. I mean, they got a seventh round pick for him, but you know, Tanner Lasinski is was a six-round pick in the 2016 NHL draft, and he's going to be with the team the remainder of the season uh, from uh, the words of uh, Chuck Fletcher and his media availability. But let's go to him right now. He joins us right now on Flyers Daily. Bill Meltzer, Jason Martinez, along with the Flyers president of hockey operations and general manager Chuck Fletcher. Chuck, this is a position on deadline day that you didn't uh, maybe anticipate you'd be in uh, as more of a team not looking to su- you know supplement your lineup and maybe more uh, as quote-unquote sell mode. Uh, but this is where you find yourself. Um, are you kind of as shocked that you're in this position based on last year as as you are as you know 
when you look at the situation in total by the performance of your team? Yeah, been a disappointing season, Jason. There's no question about that. It's kind of been shocking uh, how many goals we've up and and how poorly we've been in that regard. And actually, offensively, we've been, you know, we score enough goals to win more games than we do, but we just haven't been able to keep the puck out of our net. And you know, our record is a reflection of that. So, you know, today, uh, today was a reality check, and and uh, you know, today's the, the kind of day that happens when you're in the position you're in. Scott Lawton, you get the extension done. You go five years, $15 million, a $3 million AAV. Um, talk about why that made sense for you guys. And I know Scott wanted to stay here, and, and you know maybe it's a little more term that he would have got on the open market, but maybe a little less AAV for you in the flat cap world. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, Jason. I think you know based on my conversations with, with teams, there were nearly a dozen teams that had interest in him, and I, I think he would have uh, done very well in, in free agency. You know, it's not many. You know, I, I guess he'll be 27 then, but he's 26 years old now, and you know, there's a there's a very high regard kind of on the league, and, and uh, you know, we have a very high regard for him, and I think we feel fortunate that you know he wanted to commit to staying here, and and uh, you know, we're thrilled with the deal, and I think um, I'm, I'm glad we don't have to be in. Uh, in the free agency frenzy, trying to trying to sign a guy like Scott, so I think locking him up now is was really good for us. Chuck, when you look at the you know the overall needs of the team and how they've played, you know there there are obviously some some needs that have to be filled. So when you're looking at potentially re-signing a guy like Scott Lawton, how much does replacement cost for a player like him, you know, factor into that decision as to whether to resign or to deal? And the other part of it being too as well. You know, how much is, does his age factor in being, as you said, he's still 26, not quite 27 yet. Would have been a different picture if maybe Scott were, you know, 29, 30 years old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Scott's, Scott's a young player. He's, he's continued to evolve and improve over the last few years. He can, he can move around our lineup. He plays wing and center. And, you know, his offensive game is, has improved and he provides, you know, some quality secondary offense. And, but really his bread and butter is, his, uh, you know, penalty kill and forecheck and his speed and his physicality and, and again, that versatility that the coaches appreciate so much. You know, I think we've seen over the last couple of years that those types of players uh, are expensive to acquire. And, um, you know, for us, we have certainly have some holes that will work to fill this. Uh, but, you know, I didn't want to create another hole by, by moving a guy like Scott. Hey, Chuck, you did make a couple of moves with a couple of unrestricted free agents that you had under contract and Michael Roffel and uh, Eric Gustafson. Gustafson goes to uh, Montreal, and Michael Roffel will stay within the division, at least for the remainder of this season, with the Washington Capitals. Uh, talk about those deals for those individual players and why it made sense to to move on from uh, those two at, at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Eric Gustafson signing didn't work out uh, as as either Eric or, or we intended. Um you know, he hasn't been playing recently, especially with the emergence of Sam Moran and the continued good play of, of Shane Gossespierre. And, you know, right now we're pretty deep on defense. And, you know, if you look at uh, guys like Prosser, Pouliot even, I mean, we were 10 deep on defense. So we feel that this gives Eric an opportunity to go and hopefully get some games in Montreal. And he's a pending unrestricted free agent. So hopefully that's good for his career and for us. You know, we have other guys that, that uh, certainly – have been playing ahead of Eric right now. And, you know, with Michael, uh, Michael is a tougher decision just because he's been a valuable member of the Flyers. And, 
at, at this point he's injured for the next two weeks, so he wasn't going to be able to contribute, you know, or, or play for for probably at least half of the uh, of the remaining games. And you know, so for us right now, it's a, it's an opportunity for Tanner Lazinski and maybe Wade Allison and and a few of the other players to to, to get a look and. And, uh, you know, they're not just our future, they're, they could be our presence. So it just seemed to make sense here to start to transition in a couple of those spots and pick up some draft picks. But, you know, as importantly, give those players, both Raffle and Gustafson, a chance to maybe audition for, for another contract for their own careers. Uh, Two-part question for you, Chuck. Uh, related to Michael Raffle, you know, there, there have been previous deadlines where Michael's been on an expiring deal, including, I think, one with you in, in 2019. And there's, there's always been, you know, levels of interest in Michael just because of the, you know, the valuable role he fills as a penalty killer, as a four checker, as a guy who, you know, if you need to play center, move, move him over there. Um, is it fair to say that if the team had been able to make up some ground, you'd, you'd have been more inclined to, you know, ride it out the rest of the season with Michael, if, uh, even, though he, you know, even though he has an injury right now? No, absolutely. You know, if we were in a better position um, with respect to the playoffs, and certainly I would have kept them. Um, but, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, I don't even know how many of the 15 remaining games he can play. So, you know, to get a draft pick for a player that may not play many games the rest of the way and, uh, you know, and allow some of our younger players to, to, to get that opportunity just, you know, made sense from our perspective. And, you know, might go into a team that, that will make the playoffs and, and uh, there's certainly a longer runway there and he's a valuable player. And as he showed last year in the playoffs, he can, you know, he can play pretty well in those big games. So I think it, it was a good move for Washington, a good move for Michael. And it's just kind of our reality. And, you know, at this point, uh, we may as well get, get a draft pick for, for a player that uh, again, may not play that many games down the stretch. And so as you know, it does open an opportunity for Tanner Lezinski. Uh, what have your observations been on, on Tanner in his three games? Obviously playing a little bit of a different role uh, up in the NHL level than he was playing with the Phantoms, you know, where he was a more of an offensive-minded role. But it seems that, uh, you know, it seems like his, his overall play has been pretty good, including in the Buffalo game. Yeah, I, I thought he was excellent last night. I, I thought he he created some uh, turnovers on the forecheck. Uh, he made a great play. Bobby Bell gave him uh, an empty net on the play, a really smart heads-up pass. and you know, he's been okay on face-offs and he's just a, a very intelligent, competitive hockey player. And his angles are excellent. He's on the right side of the puck. He, you know, he plays the game the right way. Um, and uh, he's got some skill. He has, a, he has a heavy shot that I think he'll start to show a little bit more as he gets confident. But, you know, I think he's, uh, you know, got a little bit, a little taste of it now and he'll be on our roster for the rest of the season. So hopefully he can, he can, uh, you know, grow his game, gain a little confidence and, and, uh, you know, start to uh, get some traction that will help them next year in training camp. Uh, Chuck, I would have presumed in that same kind of vein that Sam Moran's a guy that you're going to get uh, a look at over these final 15 games as well, just to, to see where he is, get a little bit more of a sample size on Sam. He's been, he's been really steady when he's been in there. I know he wasn't in, in the Buffalo game, uh, and he still is probably dealing with, you know, strengthening that, that, that knee that was surgically repaired a couple of times, scar tissue to deal with and those kind of things. But when you look at Sam, is that that's a player you want to get some more data on as you enter the offseason to go in with as much knowledge as possible, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, it's been remarkable how, how Sam has been able to transition back to defense. You know, he's missed so many games the last three years, and we started forward this year. 
you know, he got a handful of games on defense in the American League, and he stepped in, and he's, he's held his own. You have to give him credit. He's uh, obviously a, a big, strong, tough kid, but he's really impressed me with his range and his ability to defend. He, he has an excellent stick. Uh, you, I can't, you know, there's been at least five or six times in the games he's played where I've seen him kind of step up on guys and take ice away, and he forces, uh, you know, the other team to dump the puck in instead of trying to challenge him. And, you know, he's an imposing guy, but just just his, his reach and range, he, he really takes ice away from players. So, you know, I'd like to see, uh, you know, how Sam progresses the rest of the way, and he's earned the right to play right now, and, and that's something that we'll, we'll continue to try to make happen. Uh, the other day, you, in addition to calling up Lazinski, you also uh, added Wade Allison to the taxi squad. And obviously, Wade, after coming back from injury, has been off to a tremendous start with the Phantoms. Uh, my question is, did the uh, did the game postponements with the Phantoms kind of hasten uh, the decision on Wade? And do you see him getting into the to the Flyers lineup in the remaining games? Yes, and yes. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy what, one, Chuck. Yeah, we were, you know, we we're. It's, it's a disappointment with the postponements because there, those were a couple of games there that actually we were hoping both Wade and and, and Tanner, and, you know, we, uh, to get, get a little bit more game action. And obviously those would have been Cam York's first couple of games. So disappointing, but that, you know, that's, you know, that's the reality we're living in right now. You just have to roll with the punches. So when they shut down, we decided to bring both guys back and, uh, you know, Tanner uh, is already contributing to our lineup and, you know, based on what uh, Scott Gordon and Brent Flair told me, you know, Wade Allison um, has been outstanding and, and uh, you know, is already a, a pretty dominant American League player in the games that he's played and, and, you know, really knocking on the door. So we'll see how that translates up here. But, you know, Wade uh, Wade's 23 years old, so certainly a guy that, uh, you know, should be able to step in here and, and, and play some games at this level. And it'd be great to get him some experience if we can. So, you know, it'll be up to AV and the coaching staff, but, you know, it's something we're going to look very seriously at here over the next few games. Chuck, you know, talking about a 23-year-old Wade Allison, physically mature, comes in uh, after his collegiate career, so he's already physically matured in that fashion, but adding some young faces or new faces at this point and, and guys that are really eager as well to, to cut their teeth at the NHL level with Lisinski and, and Wade Allison, th- that can provide the group some, some jump as well, can it? Absolutely. And, and, and that's why, uh, you know, look, I understand we're four points out in Boston as two games in hand. And I know the math isn't perfect, but, um, you know, realistically, these kids can, can give us a shot in the arm. And I think Sam Moran's given us a shot in the arm. I think Shane Gosses bear the way he continues to improve has given our, our group some, some energy. And, you know, we've just gone through a grueling stretch of five and seven. And I think we have another one coming up, and, you know, to, to infuse some of these, younger legs and, and players that have some energy and are trying to uh, show that they belong, I, I think will do nothing but help our group. Chuck, how hard is it to strike a balance to where, you know, you're, you're critical and realistic about the underlying factors that contributed to what happened in March. And obviously the team has played better in April without, without necessarily the points to show for it overall, you know, to, to, to take a hard look at that, but to also realize that, you know, even though maybe not playing the best hockey, they did enter, you did enter March with an 11, four and three record, you know, the, the best points percentage in the division, you know, to, to, to be critical as to, okay, you know, how do you avoid something that's happening again, but the same token, 
to be careful where you're not overblowing it to where you know it it, uh, it causes certain decisions you might look back a year from now and maybe regret. Yeah, I, you know, look, you, you got to be careful when you analyze anything, and there's areas clearly we need to improve upon, and and uh, I think they're very obvious. You know, if you look at the stats where you know, where some of the big, big weaknesses have been and, and, uh, you know, we'll have to address those and we'll have to get better. And, and uh, you just gotta be, you gotta be careful. You make the right decisions, but that, you know, every, every team has to make these decisions every year. And, and, uh, we have a lot of good players and we certainly have some holes we have to fill, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident we can get back to a good spot pretty quickly. Chuck, your assessments will take place in the off season. You guys will do the deep dive into every aspect of this hockey team, uh, from every player to you know the farm system and, and your salary cap situation and everything. But as you mentioned, there's talent here, but sometimes having talent is one thing, but talent that fits is another. When you look at the kind of the struggles through March, and I know Niskanen was a part of that, but as I've stated, I, I kind of refuse to believe that one player can can have that much of an effect, although he did have an effect on and off the ice. Um, when you look at it, is it that the talent – doesn't fit or just you didn't get maybe what you expected out of certain players this season for a variety of different reasons. Look, we just haven't been able to keep the puck out of our net. I don't I mean, we've, yeah. we've gone from seventh in the league defensively to 29th or 30th. So, you know, I don't know if, it, if it's a talent question, it's, it's playing the right way and it's, it's not giving up so many chances and, and it's getting enough saves. I mean, it, it just, it's simple. The combination. I mean, you yeah, you look at her goals against. You look at her save percentage. Like I don't think it takes a genius to see going on, but we just have to get better. And and uh, and when the puck keeps going in your net, all I know over the years is that you tend to think everything's wrong, and and usually that's not the case. So we'll 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 address all those issues at the end of the year. Right now we're in the middle of a battle, and we're going to try to get back in. We played, got through a really tough five and seven, and I thought all five games we played you know quite well. To be honest with you, I thought we probably outplayed the opposition all five games and we certainly didn't win them all for various reasons but you know i think we're we're playing harder we're we're giving up much much less offensively chances against our way down or you know gen you know usually out shooting our our opponent and, and, and the results still aren't coming so we're just going to have to keep working on it but you know to me the process has been better the play has been better the compete's been uh tremendous and um you know, but we're, we're still giving up too many goals, so we, we just got to keep working on that. Yeah, it's just as important to keep them out of your net as is put them in the other net. Last thing for you, Chuck, when uh, you look at uh, the conversations that you had at deadline, sometimes those conversations are the beginnings of deals or beginnings of conversations for the offseason. What do you anticipate? First of all, what was your anticipation of the deadline and kind of how it played out? And does that lead you to any anticipation of what an offseason looks like? Yeah, I mean, the deadline kind of went exactly as you would expect. Uh, you know, teams traded, teams that were clearly in the playoffs uh, traded for players on expiring contracts from other teams and, and teams that, you know, wanted to move the assets did. So, you know, the trade deadlines become a pretty simplistic thing. It's, it's just really about teams maximizing their, their chances for the upcoming playoffs. And you'll, you'll see an occasional hockey trade, and certainly they happen, uh, but but uh, the team building aspect for the next season usually happens in the summer. Again, whether that's right or wrong, it's just the way it's evolved. It's changed a lot since I first came in, but it seems like the trade deadline's really a singular type of, of event now and uh, a predictable type of transaction. So 
but you know, you have conversations all year long and, and, uh, you know, I think, I think we have a pretty good feel for what teams are trying to do and who they like on our team. And they have a pretty good feel for what we're trying to do. So, you know, where that leads us, we'll find out, but, um, you know, those, con- those conversations are, are constant and ongoing. Hey, Chuck, thanks for taking the time as always. And, you know, you didn't expect to be here. We didn't either as well. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season. And, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the offseason can provide uh, you what you need to do. And uh, we appreciate the time as always. And we'll talk soon. Yeah, sounds good, guys. Thank you, Jason. Special thanks to Chuck Fletcher for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. We got a little bit of breaking news there, too, Bill. We didn't know that Michael Roffel was actually injured for uh, – was going to be out in the next two weeks prior to his being dealt and really wouldn't have been able to help the Flyers anyway. But a team with uh, a deep run of the playoffs uh, hopefully in store for them, at least that's what they're thinking, the Washington Capitals, they acquire more for the playoff run than anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he's a player who uh... – you know, he, I mean, their, their playoff spot is pretty well, pretty well in hand. And it's just a question of you know, getting them back and healthy and ready for the postseason. And, um, you know, but like before we were saying where Chuck came on, you know, Rafa's a guy who had, uh, I think, four goals in nine playoff games last year and, you know, helps you on the penalty kill. He gets on the four check, you know, he, he can play center if you need him to, although he's primarily a winger, you know, every once in a while you can move him up in the lineup if he's having a good game, if there's some injuries up there. So, you know, that that's the kind of role player. Um, you know, he's not he's not a an earth shattering acquisition for the Caps, but it you know, it, it it made sense for them. And the other thing Chuck said that was interesting was that, you know, listen, if the Flyers were in a better position right now, they they probably would have been inclined to just ride it out, you know, rather than uh, rather than dealing him. Yeah, the one thing I one answer I found very interesting from Chuck uh Bill was the question you asked him about you know, about Michael Roffel and riding it out and, and, you know, if the result were different in that Buffalo game on Sunday. And he said, well, maybe a little bit more than just the Buffalo game. Um, you know, had they been closer or been a, little, a bit more consistent or maybe March wasn't as bad as it was, uh, but they, they would have been maybe been in a, a position uh, to do more here at the deadline. But clearly he went into this, uh, this deadline in, in a much different mindset than one that, you know, he felt the odds weren't stacked against him in making the playoffs. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you just you just look at the math of it being down by four with but with Boston still having two games in hand. And while I, you know, while I don't think they're going to win all six against Buffalo, chances are they're going to win, you know, probably four of them or whatever. You know, I mean, it's it's a lot of ground to make up and not a lot of time, you know, with, with 15 games to go. I mean, you know, what, 12 and 12 and three. That's, yeah. that's a tall order. So it's, uh, you know, so I, I think he just looked at it, you know, how things stacked up and said, okay, we'll, you know, we'll sell off the couple pieces we do have to sell off. And, and as he said, you know, they, they really didn't want to deal Brian Elliott at the deadline this year and they wanted to get lot, lot and sign. So really it was two players. Yeah. Uh, Bill, the other thing that I, I thought was intriguing in, in Chuck's media availability, and he kind of touched on it with you and I, uh, I know he doesn't want to get into, you know, the post-mortem on this season because he still does have a team that has games to play and they're still mathematically, alive but mathematically improbable to make the playoffs um but he, he did seem to admit that there, there are he is very aware of the issues on this team and he in his media availability he kind of alluded to it that you know he he's got some issues in his roster that he needs to take care of did that kind of pop out to you and, and what do you think he was kind of alluding to is it fit with players or is it more um that he, he, the holes that he needs to fill I think it's a combination of the two, Jason. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, 
you know, you need you need upgrades at certain positions just in terms of, you know, playing ability, but you also need, you know, you also need guys that are going to buy into the way that the coach wants them to play. And, and he was sure emphatic when asked about any changes in the coaching staff during the press conference. It was no, no. Yeah. He didn't even, it was stone faced. No. Yeah. That's not so, happening. Yeah. So, you know, there's a way that, that Vino wants a team to play. They played that way a year ago. Um, you know, guys who, don't want to buy in, don't want to be here. You will find ways to get out of here and bring in players that, that fit. You know, sometimes, sometimes you, you make a move that seems to be either a lateral move or you're getting a less talented player, a little slightly less talented player, but who's a, who's a better fit for the lineup. They clearly need more 200 foot players. You know, they, they need more forward to back check. They need a little bit more speed. They need a little bit more, you know, what you call like, like, uh, you know, skilled size too. Not just, not just big bodies. Yeah, but guys that can, you know, but guys that can also play a little bit. But they also, you know, they also need a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more muscle. I think, um, you know, and, and on the back end, they definitely need more stability. I just, I, you know, you can individually go through uh, the roster, and most of the guys you go, you know, I could see him as part of a certain mix on the team if you have yeah, A, B, C, right? But when you have good players that are redundant to the lineup or you know, have holes in their games without guys that balance off their weaknesses with their particular strengths. You know, that's, that's when teams underachieve in a lot of cases. And listen, I mean, you look at the Flyers goals against average on the whole of this season, but especially with what happened during March and you and I last year, when the Flyers really improved their goals against average, we ran through the numbers as to it is far more important to be in the top half of the league in goals against average than it is in goals scored yep. because teams that are in the, the bottom 10, it is very hard to score your way into the playoffs if you, if you can't win low-scoring games. Yep. So it's uh, you know I, I think that that's that's really kind of what they're going for. They're looking to try to get the team back into a, a similar kind of track to where they were a year ago. Uh, you know, upgrade in certain areas so that they can they can match up better with certain teams. Um, you know, divisional opponents uh, to boot opponents to give them trouble. Now, now, mind you, you know, you're, you're playing against the rest of the East again next season. So your, yep. your competition field is wider, but, but I mean, you, but primarily, you know, you still play a lot of games in the division and that's really, you know, that's really what you have to look at, not just a wild card, but hope, hoping to get in that top three in your division. So I think that that's kind of what they're, you know, kind of what they're looking at. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I think that, and, and, and Chuck said it directly. There are decisions that are going to have to be made this offseason, and they're not going to necessarily be easy decisions. You know, you're going to have to move. You, know, you might have to move out some pieces that, uh, you know, under certain circumstances you might want to keep. And there will be, you know, I, I think th there will be some of those decisions. And also sometimes if you have to move cap, do you take cap and term back? Or do you, you know, or do you incentivize a, a, a team like Seattle to, or specifically Seattle, to take a contract off your hands and you, you know, you sweeten it by adding draft picks or, or, a, you know, a player they would like as part of that. So I think that those are, you know, all those things are, are laying ahead. Uh, you know, I, I think that some groundwork was laid on, uh, on, in conversations and okay, who might be available this off season? Yep. What would be a ballpark acquisition cost for these guys? I, I, there's a lot of that that goes on leading up to the deadline, preparing, you know, for the off season too, particularly if you're not in the mode of, you know, trying to win right now. And I, I think that, that's, you know, truthfully where the, where the flyers are, I guess the, uh, you know, I guess the silver lining to all of it is that, you know, we know, we know where the 
the team was a year ago, right? Uh, at the pause, they were a point out of first place. He got within one win of the Eastern Conference final. This year, whether you're playing, you know, whether you're playing well or not, there were definitely a lot of areas to clean up. They still managed to go into March at 11, four and three, right? Um, you know, you, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, well, you know, they, they not blow it up, right? Game aside, you know, but they're, you know, they've cleaned up certain things. I mean, obviously certain things have cost them some key games here too, some tendencies that they haven't corrected, but, but in general, like the, uh, you know, like the, if you look at, if you look at the last couple of games against some really good power play clubs, where was this penalty kill all season, right? Yeah. The penalty kill has been really good uh, for a couple of games. So, you know, is that something you close out with strong and, and look to, you know, get back on the right track? I mean, you can't, you have to be careful in, in a season where, I mean, the Flyers have played, what, 42 games so far? You're yeah. basically at the halfway point in a regular season. And, you know, in a normal regular season, the Flyers had dug themselves, you know, a hole. They're, they're not where you'd want to be, where you would hope they would be. But it wouldn't necessarily be fatal if you fixed our other areas. In a shortened season, you know, one bad month, we always, we focus heavily on the start going into the season, which is which is normal. But we weren't figure, we weren't figuring on a month like March. You're figuring maybe you have a 500 month or a game under 500. You don't figure you're going to play the way that they played in March for, you know, almost five weeks, right? For the tail, you know, basically from Tahoe through uh, you know through the end of March, save the 19 games in 33 days. Yeah, which is you know, I mean, and Although you have a, although you have busy slates during a normal regular season, and it's not to make excuses because every team is in the same boat, you know. But when you're playing well, you don't mind the quick turnarounds. When you yeah. are struggling, you know, you. I mean, it's it's you know the worst time to have playing a really busy slate. And a lot a lot of times too, when you when you go through the course of the season and you look at a regular season series against a club, it's funny how when you catch a certain team. Really affect how the season series goes. Look at the Flyers against the Capitals a year a year ago. It seemed like you know it seemed like they whenever the Flyers would catch the Caps, the Caps were not at the top of their game, or they were just they were just playing for the you know third time in fourth nights or, or, or four nights or, or whatever whatever it was. You know there there were little certain certain favors that you know, just, there were little certain indicators rather that favored the Flyers, and they took advantage of them. Um, you know this year that hasn't been the case. Obviously you see. They, they've struggled against the caps. So, you know, and it changes year to year too. Um, you know, this year, this year in the Islanders, there's the one blowout game and every other game has been there for the taking flyers have taken some Islanders have taken some a year ago, flyers couldn't buy a win against the Islanders. So, you know, things change fast is what I'm saying. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but one of the things I thought it was interesting that Chuck said as well, and I tweeted out this quote because I, I know, look, a lot of the fan base and people listening to this podcast, they wanted a lot more action. They wanted a lot to happen today, especially after coming off that, blowing that late, that that game against the Buffalo Sabres, you know, the day prior. So it's everybody's raw, and you want a lot of action. And, and, I tr- and I've been saying it on here, I've been tweeting it out as well, that, you know, systemic change or major surgery, those things don't happen until an offseason. And one of the things that Chuck alluded to when he was kind of asked about it in his, in his availability was – you know, was there more moves to make? And he said, well, we may need to some of those assets, and he's referring to draft picks and prospects, to fill needs going forward, and wh- whether that's a top pair defenseman, 
Uh, maybe that's to clear cap space uh, with a team like Seattle to add either a pick or a prospect to, you know, make a trade with them so they take a certain player that maybe they wouldn't take, taking on more cap or term than they were comfortable with as a way, of, as as you termed it, a sweetener. Um, but they do have a lot of organizational assets, and they have draft picks, and they have uh, prospects in the pipeline as well, and maybe some of that's redundant, but you may need to use that to, to bolster this team going forward before this, the, the, you know, a guy like Claude Giroux is done or Sean Couturier gets north of 30 and other players. Uh, do, do you anticipate Chuck in the offseason um, pulling a couple of big major surgical type moves uh, for this club? I think he's going to shoot for it. Yes. Yeah, I do too. Um, you know, and some of it may also involve, you know, now it might be less term on the contract, but you know, a lot of, a lot of times teams want to, teams want to send you back, you know, some, some cap hit and some term too. So, you know, when we talk about the sweeteners, you do some of that and you, you have to take less back a lot of times. I mean, one thing that, that so far, um, and then, you know, again, likely to likely to change at least a certain degree is really, if you, if you look at what the flyers have done, um, other than the, uh, you know, other than the Kevin Hayes signing, which is, you know, free agent signing or trade for a free agent, an impending free agent. Um, but they re- haven't really deviated that much from what the previous regime did under Ron Hextall. Yeah. They've continued, they've continued to, you know, keep other picks. Um, they've, they've made their, you know, first round picks if they traded a second round pick they traded back into the second round or traded down in the first round to to get an extra second round pick so they're picking in that round so you know and you never you never know what to have in a player until he turns pro but i mean you know they've they seem to have drafted pretty well including including in in 2020 all you have to do is look at the way that tyson forster has made an impact too yeah yeah and uh yeah they had wisdom, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I, they definitely have assets. They definitely have assets in the system, and you probably will need to package a couple of those players. And, you know, also you might want to, you know, uh, you might want to take a look at some of those players as well to see can they can they fill a role in the big club too if you move if you move a piece out. So, for example, you know, so you make, you know, you make a deal, you have a spot in the top nine. You know, it's unfortunate that Morgan Frost lost, lost this whole season this year. But maybe Morgan, you know, that maybe that opens a spot for Morgan Frost to get an extended run in the NHL and see see what you have in that player. You know, I think that that's, uh, you know, all those things are all those things are potentially on the table. I I think that when you're in the situation the Flyers are in, um, you know, where you have some of your your key group, you know, are now in their 30s or about to be in their 30s, I think you have to be open to anything. You know, I I think that you have to. You know, I don't think there's too many guys who ought to be off limits. I think you ought to be able to, you know, be willing to listen and go in different directions as, as opportunities present themselves. So, you know, the the more assets you have, the more you know guys knocking in the door, the more you're the more you're able to do as long as you can work out the cap numbers. Yeah, you need you need that's what I call variables. You need to have the variables to be able to uh, to make those deals have uh, you know some some assets that, that bring you nice return and, and really as you can use as currency, but also have those assets within your organization to fill those holes as they do become uh, more pronounced, especially in this flat cap world. You're going to ha- you're gonna have to get contributions from young players 
on entry-level contracts. It's just the fact of the matter. Uh, another thing that I thought was interesting, I always try and like read between the lines a little bit, right? When, when we're listening to these press conferences and, and I thought it was interesting and our friend Anthony Mangione uh, also texted me this as well. And, and it popped to me big time too. Chuck was really effusive in his praise of Shane Gostaspare, who he put on waivers about 10 days prior, right? And uh, maybe two weeks prior, four, 13 days prior. And he used the word um, calling Ghost's play remarkable in regard to his emergence. And, and you know, it, it would be really incumbent upon the team to play Ghost the rest of the way. And the way he is playing, he is playing well. There's no denying that part of it. And perhaps upping his value and making him a trade ship to, in the offseason. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, right now, right now his offensive confidence is sky high. You can see and, it, yeah. And, oh, no, no question. He's you know he's jumping in the play with a lot of confidence, scoring some goals again, and you know just has been a he's definitely been a been a factor offensively again. He had he had a you know a pretty long stretch there where the points are hard to come by, um, and of course that's the number one thing you need out of him. Yep. And that's uh, you know he but he, he in, a, in a lot of ways particularly recently. And listen, you know, not only was he waived, he was also unclaimed. Um, and I I, I think that that. You know, it was a motivation for him. Gives him something to prove, whether it's here or somewhere else. So I, I think you absolutely see him play. I think they keep the pairing with Sam Moran together. And and you would and you would ask uh, Chuck about Sam. You know, you want to you want to see you know you want to see if he, he can run with this the rest of the season. Um, you know, and he's an unrestricted free agent this summer because of his age and number of games played. I mean, is he a guy you you know you look to resign and potentially have a, a role in the team going forward? You know, the more of those kind of players you have that can kind of, you know, you know what the cost is, you know, you know, if you can fill a spot in your top 12 forwards or your top six defensemen with a, with a player like that, even if it's third pairing or bottom six forwards, that opens more cap space to make moves higher in the lineup. And that's, uh, that, that's the name of the game there too. How much, how much cap space are you allotting to each role and each position? So you know, I, I, I think that um, it, it definitely behooves the Flyers to, you know, to, to, to run with Ghost, see see what they get there. Um, you know, if, if they move, if they do end up moving Ghost out, well, you know, then, you know, then uh, does Travis Sanheim move up into a power play role? Does, uh, you know, how, how soon is Cam York ready to do it? I mean, that opens up other questions. But if you could pump up his value and get something, you know, get something of value in return, or, or, you know, like a decent draft pick that you can roll in with something else, then so much the better. So, you know, with these remaining games, you, you, you know, you might as well do that. You might as well take a look at some young players you've caught up to. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Bill, with, with deadline day now in the rearview mirror, there'll be moves to be made before the NHL draft and the expansion draft, and maybe most of the moves will happen after the expansion draft. But I put together my list of the, uh, the skaters that, uh, I believe Chuck Fletcher will protect in the expansion draft. It's the seven and three combo. I'll give you my three D. It's pretty obvious. It's Proveroff, Sanheim, and Myers. And some people might say, "Well, why are you going to protect Myers? He didn't play. He's been scratched." Blah, blah blah. He still has value. You don't lose a guy like that for nothing. If you, if you don't feel like he's fit, a fit on your team, you trade him. Um, so you protect him. Um, number one, and then my forwards are the two obvious ones are Giroux and Hayes because they have no move clauses. The Hayes, the final year of a no move clause. And we know that Claude's in the final year of his contract, and he's got a full no-move clause. John Couturier is obviously a player I'm protecting. 
Uh, Joel Farabee is a player I'm protecting. Scott Lawton, as Chuck Fletcher alluded to in our conversation, is a player that he will protect. Uh, Travis Konechny and Oscar Lindblom. But that leaves one guy on the outside, and Nolan. his name was brought up a bit, and that would be Nolan Patrick. Yeah. What's the future of Nolan Patrick as a Philadelphia Flyer after the season? That's a, I mean, that is a, a great question. You know, it's uh, he, Nolan is such a is such a puzzle to a lot of people. But you know, uh, I, I talked about it at some length uh, on, on Twitter. Did a big thread on Nolan. What the, the big puzzle to me, you know, obviously you don't write a player off at 22 with his background and, and the flashes you've seen from him, you know, even his rookie year, you know, 13 goals and 30 points from a 19 year old is pretty decent. But at, in his second year, he was really no better than he was his first year, you know, and, and he was prone to these long droughts um, where he just was not involved nearly enough. You know, so while you you do cut him some slack for missing a year, I mean, I have to be truthful in saying that a lot of the same issues that I saw before, when when Nolan was a non-factor, you know, I'm seeing the same thing now. I don't I don't see a big difference. Um, and I think he's had some pretty good recent games where he's looked closer, but I've seen that before and it's never been sustained. So you know, I I think that. Uh, you know, you run, you run out of protection numbers pretty quickly. So I think that, uh, you know, we've seen out of Oscar Lindblom, and, and, and I think you can say with a certain amount of confidence that I think Oscar has a pretty good chance of getting back to where he was prior to the cancer diagnosis once he has a full off season, regains, you know, muscle, regains the muscle mass, exactly. Um, you know, and I think you'll see a different player next year. Uh, with, with Nolan, there have been those, you know, there have been those stretches where eight games here, 10 games there, as much as 12 games at one point, we had 10 points in 12 games. So there have been those little surges, but you can't go 25 games where you hardly notice the player. Yeah. And especially with for, that skill set. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, you know, I mean, that, that's a guy who, when he's been on on one of those roles, he's making some really pretty high skill plays. You know, yep. when the Flyers had the, the game against Boston the other day, um, they're on the power play and he has, he has an entry in the offensive zone and he has a lane. He could have taken the puck to the net if he wanted to. And instead of make trying to make a play and there was a play to be made, he puts it around, you know, around the boards behind the net for a 50, 50 puck because he doesn't have the confidence in himself to, you know, to make the plays and listen to, you know, for all, for all people say, you know, about, uh, well, AV and young players, boy, they've sure stuck with, Patrick on the power play all season long, and he's produced two points on the power play for the yeah. season. So you know he's 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 got he's getting his opportunities. It's not like it's not like they're not trying to put him out in position to succeed. Uh, they've tried him on the wing to take a little pressure off of him. They've he's taken down. shootouts. Yeah, as a confidence so, builder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean the the skill level is there. I I just uh, you know, can I say with confidence that he's going to hit a breakthrough point? I can't. Can, can I say with certainty? That uh, you know he's not going to break through into becoming the player that he, that he could and probably should become. I can't say that either. I don't. I don't really know, you know, what you have. Um, and but and I've seen him play plenty. So, you know, I, I think if you run out of protection spots, you try to deal beforehand. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and the, the you know you got to look at it, go is is that an attractive piece for Ron Francis and the Seattle Kraken? 
There's not a lot of money attached to him, obviously. Um, he's on the he's on the expiring deal; it'd be restricted, but um, he's not on his entry level contract, which is why he's eligible. But it, you got to wonder if that's a piece. I mean, you look at a high pedigree player that was drafted second overall, and that may be attractive to Ron Francis. Although a lot of times these expansion teams, Bill, are looking for a little bit of a little bit of money attached to a guy because they got to get to the floor. <laughs> yeah. That leaves Voracek and JVR as guys that, in, in my list, were not protected. Um, when when you look at those two players, are either of those two likely, uh, you know, focal points for a, a guy like Ron Francis? Well, I I think that <laughs> that that answer right there says it all. <laughs> you know, I, I think you look for a little younger. Mm-hmm. Both guys are in their thirties now. Yep. Um, you know, they they both have a I mean, uh, two years of term left on JVR at seven million and. 8.5 on, on Jake at three more years. Um, you know, I, I think that those are the, those are players who you could maybe convince them to take. If, uh, you know, if, if that's where you decide to open up the cap space, if you incentivize it with, uh, you know, with a first round pick or players or, or whatever, right. Young players, prospects. I mean, it, it's potentially doable. Um, particularly with Voracek. You know, Vorchek is, is a guy too who, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of focus on the things that, um, you know, what the drawbacks are with him. I'll tell you though, you know, he still can make a positive impact on games, and you know, he still is their best playmaking winger, except when Giroux's, uh, you know, from the wing into the center. So you know, you have to you have to figure out how you're replacing him. I mean, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not raising any objection to re- replacing anybody on the team. I'm just saying. You know what is the uh, who do you bring in as the as the replacement, and uh, you know what what kind of term and cap are you looking at there, and what kind of what kind of skill set and playing style are you looking at? So, you know, but I, I think those those things should all be on the table. Again, I I think that you do need some some changes in that group. Um, I think Giroux is not going anywhere, and and Pretoria is not going anywhere. So JVR and Voracek would be the you know the two guys that uh, you might look to to do something to open up some space and you know work around bill last thing for you as we put a wrap on deadline day in this uh, elongated episode of flyers daily which is awesome uh you know you get the tweets i get the tweets we all see them flyers twitters i mean no matter what they would have done on deadline day there would have been complaining right you can't satisfy that but you know a lot of the terms being used are the flyers are a mess they got to start over tear it down none of our Young players are what we thought they were. It, eight years of wasted time uh, with this not, you know, pseudo rebuild, whatever you want to call it, that took place. And we're no better off, no better position for it. Um, but when you look at the situation, and, you know, this is, mind you, the last game we saw was that Buffalo game with this inconsistency. And it's not just over this year, even though the, the year prior, that second half, they were really good. They were the second best team in the NHL. But when you look at this with the, with the core and, and the players that have been here a long time, that's why some people have a problem with the extension of Lawton. It's like, you know, why are we extending anybody at this point? But when you look at it, all with all the knowledge that you had, all the years that you've covered this game at varying levels, the NHL and, and all the other leagues and, and myself as well, in, in your opinion, what is the issue? Can you put your finger on what the issue is? You know, because, I mean, a lot of people obviously, you know, aren't Giroux guys. And they like, well, no captain should ever let that happen. And, and as I said it six ways to Sunday, I talked to a lot of players, both on and off the record, 
that either are still playing, have played with, you know, years gone by, nobody's ever questioned his leadership. Uh, to me, on or off the record, I've never seen it anywhere. Um, but and can you put your finger on what the issue is and, and why maybe this major surgery does need to take place in the offseason to change the dynamic in a pretty pronounced way? I think that it's, um, you know. I didn't leave you with a, uh, an easy one for the last one. No, no absolutely not. You know, <laughs> I think you have to look at what have been the characteristics of teams that, you know, go further than the Flyers have. Um, and I, I really, I, I always go back to the to the mix in the group, right? Every team's going to have certain teams they don't match up well against. But the teams that, that seem to withstand it well are teams that are not too big and slow or, or too too finesse oriented too small to you know you can't you know you can't just be so uh over obsessed with grit that you don't have any skill but you need you need you know you need some grit guys who get their nose dirty you, know, you, you need a mix of, of personalities and styles and you know all the rest of that and you know the the last time the flyers had a, a, a team together that I thought really had that right kind of mix was 2011-12. Um, and they had just traded, you know, they had just traded uh, Richards and Carter. But they, I thought they had a really good mix of youth and experience. They had, you know, they had size, they had some speed, they had some tenacity, uh, you know, pretty good in both special team sides. I mean, quite frankly, they didn't have the, you know, <laughs> the the Brzezgalov signing was a, didn't work out, but, uh, you know, but but in a lot of other ways, that team really had the goods, and if and if Pronger hadn't had the career-ending injury, I think I think instead of losing in the second round, that team, then you know, could have come out of the East that year because Jersey did. So you know that that's the last time I looked at a team and I said, okay, you know, I really like the mix on all four lines, and you know, you you can match up well with a lot of different teams. Um, you know, I I think some of those some of those elements are missing within the roster, and I don't I don't blame. And player for that, I, I know that when you're, you know, when you're drafting, you're always looking for the best available player, and, and the, the salary cap can hamstring you. But I think there's been one common theme over these years. I, I, I just see, you know, you, you look going in, they're just going to be certain certain teams that you're competing with that you don't match up well against, and I don't think that's ever been fully addressed in that time period. And that's really, I, that's really, I think what it what it comes down to. It's a, it, you're, it's so well said too. Great job. You answered a tough one at the end. Uh, you saved your best shift for the last one, Billy. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to put a wrap on our uh, uh, NHL trade deadline. We're going to call it a spectacular. Uh, even though the season hasn't been, as Coatsy would say, spectacular. It's been, this was a spectacular episode. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, Flyers and Caps tonight. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's Flyers Daily.